It can be a real struggle to live in such a way where, or sorry, how, uh, in such a way where our money reflects, the use of our money reflects what we value and what we believe is important. But it can be done. It just requires some conscious choice. So maybe for you, you've made decisions in your life about how you use your money or perhaps how you use your time or things that you've done which have affected your income. For example, when it comes to work, maybe you've chosen deliberately to work part-time or perhaps to refuse overtime because you've chosen to give your time to other in things that are more important, whether it be to family or friends or perhaps to other things uh, that require priority. Maybe you even do pro bono work. When it comes to time, perhaps, you give some time to charity and give up the potential of earning money that you could otherwise. Maybe if you have kids, you volunteer and you teach your children the value of volunteering. When it comes to possessions, maybe you donate things that you don't need to charity rather than selling them on eBay. Maybe you choose to share your home with others, have them over for meals, or perhaps you invite people to stay with you, to live with you, for a time. Maybe you've moved to being a one-car family and you chose to use public transport. Or maybe not purchase a car at all. When it comes to money power, perhaps you only purchase legally attained software and music or movies because you prefer to pay in order to support the artists. Maybe you purchase food products through local markets and farmers or through ethically produced and sourced products like Fair Trade or Rainforest Alliance, Oxfam, and others that are okayed by anti-trafficking, anti-trafficking campaigns like Stop the Traffic or Don't Trade Lives. Maybe you get your hair cut by a local barber or a hairdresser, which supports local industry, and where you find out all the latest gossip. <laughs> when it comes to the environment, maybe you buy local organic veggies. Maybe you reuse what you can. Maybe you've decided to buy a more expensive car, if you have got a car, because it's more environmentally friendly. Or maybe you keep a compost heap and you recycle. When it comes to children, perhaps you teach your children to save some, spend some, invest some, and give some away with their pocket money because you realise and you want to teach your kids that money has different uses. And maybe on birthdays and Christmas, you encourage your kids, or maybe you might, choose a present of their own, something that they've got, and they can give that to a local charity or to underprivileged children. When it comes to money itself, perhaps you spend more at particular times and particular occasions because you believe that it will support the greater good. Maybe you give some money away when you're first paid as a constant reminder that all good things come from God. And then in addition, you keep some, you save some for friends who are in need or for emergencies or special projects. Perhaps if you, if you have super, you invest in a superannuation fund that invests ethically. Or maybe you've even switched bank accounts and banks to go with maybe a smaller community bank that supports the local community. When it comes to shopping, maybe you don't buy extra cheap stuff because you believe it encourages a throwaway attitude to things. Maybe you choose not to purchase at Christmas, Easter, or some other kind of heavily commercialised opportunity like Mother's Day or Valentine's Day. Maybe you've told your friends that you'll give to them on their birthday and then you'll give to them at some other random time of the year. The way we use money in all its forms is a reflection of what we value. Or it can be, if we choose it to be. 
Matthew 6, 19-21, as I say. Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you most value in life and why? What we value shapes us. So how does what you most value in life shape who you are? Jesus teaches us very clearly on this issue of value and money and and Jesus has far more to say on the relationship between us and money than he does on any other subject apart from the kingdom of God. And just a few verses later in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek first God's kingdom and right living and all these things, all these things that you need will be given to you as well. So we can be free to give to God because we can be assured of God's promise so long as we put God first in all things, most importantly with our resources and our wealth because God makes a way for us to provide for us in our lives when we're in need. And that that doesn't mean that we'll ever go without because we will go without. Paul talks about that in his letters, that there are times when we have plenty and then there are times when we're in need. But the point is, is that we need to put God first. And to put God first is an act of faith because it goes against the grain of perhaps what's instinctual, instinctual to us. And sometimes it may mean that we end up giving, again, giving up more than what seems rational or reasonable. Just take this young boy from John chapter 6, who there's 5,000 strong crowd, they've all got tummies rumbling, and, uh, and he has a bit of food. And he, hears, he looks down at his food and he hears the, the, the tummies rumbling around him, and he looks down at his food and he hears the tummies rumbling, looks down at his food. And what does he do? He takes a simple step of faith. Now, come on. What can you know, five bread loaves and two little fish do for 5,000 people? Well, when he gives it to Jesus, those five pieces of bread and those two little fish are able to feed the whole lot and left over. It's an act of faith. Or perhaps take the widow who gives only two small coins in comparison to the riches offered by others. But in her own context, Jesus says she's given far more because she's given from her heart. And she's given out of this life that she has, that she lives for God, where she reserves nothing for herself. She gives everything to God. So young or old, small or large, our giving matters to God. Because money, along with all our other forms of giving, is something that expresses what we truly love and value in life. So the question for us tonight to ponder is how might we better use money to reflect what we love and value? And furthermore, how might what we love and value better reflect what God loves and values? I invite you to take... There's, a, there's little white sheets and pens and writing implements on the tables. Uh, Grab them and reflect on that question, uh, which, which is up oh, somewhere there. Tim? Thanks. And, just, and focus on the top question just for now. And the question is, what practical action can or will I take this week on this question of values? What practical action can I take this week?
or will I take this week? And just spend a couple of minutes, a minute or two, thinking, pondering, praying, and make a note for yourself just on that top question. Leave the, leave the bottom part. Leave the bottom part. We'll come to that in a bit later. But just have a look at that top question and that top part and just uh, make a few notes for yourself. This week about three weeks of Spirit of Generosity where we're talking about values and how values shape our living and our giving and how we use our money and other resources in our lives. But the other thing that we're doing and which, which I'm very, very excited about is sharing with you some of the visioning that's been going on uh, over the last couple of weeks, months even, um, for our church for next year and the years ahead. We've been on quite a bit of a journey, our congregation, over the last couple of years. It's been quite an adventure, been characterised by time, effort, hope, prayer, and an expectation that God is calling us from where we've been to write a new chapter in our story together. Now, this new chapter is not a break with the previous story that has been, but rather is consistent with the themes and the values and the giftings of our church. A church that began here on this site 60 years ago this, this year, actually probably a little bit longer than that. This hall itself is 60 years old. And other, cho- other churches since that time have come to join in with this particular congregation on this site. Shire Road Methodist Church, for those of you who know Peter Pan, uh, the daycare centre, that's Shire, Road, that's Shire Road Methodist Church. And in 1960, sorry, no, 1970, came and joined this church, St Mark's Uniting Church. And this church became a joint parish because it wasn't uniting back then, it was Presbyterian. And it became a joint parish of Methodist and Presbyterian people worshipping on the one site. At first they had separate congregations, separate worship services, but then they joined and became one congregation. And then soon after that became the Uniting Church. But then in the 80s, they had a movement and a bit of a shake-up of all the different churches in this area, Uniting Churches in this area, and had a a bit of a combination um, of some of them into one site. That formed Broadwater Road. But before Broadwater Road was built, uh, East Mount Gravatt, which is on Cruise Street, just up the back here in sort of the back hills, the back suburbs, came and joined this congregation too. And so together... These churches make up who we are today, St Mark's Uniting Church. And they did so. They did all of this movement out of a sense of calling and also out of a sense of hope that God is active and that God is drawing people together. I'm really excited to be sharing some of the hope and the visioning that's been taking place here in the wee hours of the night uh, in our church office space just up the back over there in that direction. Every person, every household will be receiving a letter, uh, which is on the table over here. And in this letter, this is a collaborative effort, this letter, um, between myself and our small group of people commissioned by the church council, which outlines what is this all about? What's this, what's this three weeks all about? And, uh, and also outlining some of, our, some of this visioning um, that we're seeing and that we're discerning for next year and the years ahead. Because we believe that our future is a future filled with hope. And we hope that you too believe with us that the best years of St Mark's being on mission with God are not behind us, though they were great, but but they are in fact in front of us, they're before us. So we're going to be talking about different parts 
of what we're calling the Mission Action Plan. And tonight I want to share with you two of those parts. Before I tell you that, uh, before I get into that, I just want to let you know some of the process that we use in order to come up with these things. It has to be said that we didn't start from scratch when it came to this. Rather, we used information and discernment that had already been, because, as you know, we were all, a lot of us were there April last year when Fuzz Kiddo came uh, during a consultation, and at a meeting of the congregation, we had a discernment process, and we discerned seven key areas of, of uh, focus uh, for, for mission and for ministry. It was that information that we used again, and, uh, and so we asked the question, firstly, is this still relevant? If so, how is it relevant today? What does that look like? What form does that take? And also, uh, we also ask, what, what is the movement of the Spirit at the moment? Where is, the, where is God's energy um, at the moment directing us in mission? So all of these different things led us to this redraft of a mission action plan, which is in progress. And I must emphasize, it's in progress and it's a draft. But the areas of mission that we've identified, we agree, are the key areas for attention. So the first area I wanted to share with you is, for those of you who've been here for any length of time will agree, or it isn't a surprise to you, it's the area of pastoral care. Now I say that because, not because pastoral care doesn't happen. Because as we talked about on Saturday morning with our pastoral partners team, um, as we had some more training for that yesterday, we went around the circle and we said, pastoral care happens here in this church and it happens well. People uh, feel very strongly uh, in this church that they feel like this is a family church or they have a sense of belonging in this church. And when people are in crisis or people are in need, the church responds. It's the way that the church responds and it's the consistency and the efficiency uh, that we respond, that we want to address, and that we want to make better, that we want to improve, because we want to take the heart and the love and the care that's already existing and we want to make it better. We want to make it more efficient. We want to make it so that pastoral care in this church doesn't just happen for those people who have really strong, deep relationships here in the church, and so that other people who don't have very strong relationships here yet, when they're in a crisis, a lot of the time some of them miss out. Because, because the strength of relationship isn't quite there yet. And so we want to make a system where pastoral care happens uh, with equity and, uh, and is not determined by, by a, a person's standing in the church um, or whether they're sort of you know, m- more part of the family than perhaps someone who's perhaps on the edge or considered on the edge. So I'm really excited about that. As I say, it's, it's not a new area of focus. We all know that we need to do this, and we're really excited that we are doing something about it right now. We're almost through our training. We've got about uh, seven, um, seven or eight people who are planned to be finished the training uh, for Pastoral Partners, this new program, which is all about building a team, building a team of pastoral carers. Those of you who've ever offered care uh, for another person or another family, ever at any time in your life, or, or maybe you know, for a consistent period of time, will know that carers need care as well. And that's what Pastoral Partners is for too. It's not just about training individuals to offer care, but it's also about gathering people together so that carers can care for one another too and can receive mutual support and care in those times. So four times a year, the Pastoral Partners will meet together 
and they're going to have times of support, encouragement, as well as going through some more learning and some more development because we always want to be a church that is developing our leaders, developing our, uh, our lay leaders particularly, and, um, and, and, and providing pathways for that. So I'm really looking forward to that. Furthermore, with pastoral care, we also want to re- make sure that we resource pastoral care really well. There are times when lay people, congregation members, are able, capable, they have, to, they have the time to do a, a pastoral task on behalf of the church for someone else. But it's not always appropriate for that person to bear the full burden of that pastoral task by themselves when it comes particularly to resourcing. So whether it be that person or group of, small group of people use their gifts for food preparation for making meals, or whether it's for visitation or for networking or for advocating on someone else's behalf, if it's done in the name of the church, then we as a church ought to get behind that person and not expect them to bear the full load of that task, but to resource them as, as we're able and, and as is appropriate. We need to share the load. But this mission focus of pastoral care goes well beyond a particular pastoral partners program, or even internal, what you might say, internal pastoral care dynamics or relationships. Our vision as a church is to provide a proactive pastoral system that accommodates the changing nature of our local community, that accommodates the changing nature of our local community, as well as allowing for authentic, intimate, faith-based relationships. In other words... Pastoral care is not exclusively about the relationships of people within St. Mark's Uniting Church. Pastoral care is about the church being in the context of the local community and the relationships that come out of that, that are formed in that context. That's what pastoral care is about. So what might that look like? Some of the newer ideas and initiatives that we're exploring Uh, Some of these are found in the Church Council report, which I believe ought to be on that table. So if you missed that report last week, please take that um, on your way out. One of the newer ideas is about our church becoming a place of welcome for refugees and asylum seekers who need a place of welcome and refuge themselves. Another idea that we're investigating is hosting times of gathering together uh, parents in the local area um, uh, parents from the local from the playgroups who meet on site, possibly parents as well, inviting parents of of, um, who, of people who drop off their kids to brigades here on a Friday night too, and meeting at an off-site location, whether it be coffee club or or, or some other um, appropriate location, gathering them together and talking about an issue of care that has to do with parenting or their children, you know, whether it be preparing their kids um, for school or whether it be uh, that transition from, from uh, primary school to high school, or whether it be uh, internet use and social media, or cyberbullying, or, or something like that. But gathering people together so that our pastoral care becomes not just about what goes on in St Mark's, but it becomes about our church caring for people in the local community as well. This is a way for us uh, to build connections, build relationships, to be relevant and beneficial, and it provides a way also for us to share the gift of God amongst us. And, the gift, and that gift is the gift of belonging. The gift of belonging. It's very strong here in this congregation. 
And this brings me to the second area of mission that I want to share with you tonight. And that is connecting with families. Connecting with families. I just mentioned this um, idea of gathering parents together um, around a, an issue of care. And, but we see St Mark's as a place not just for families but for people of all ages. And our vision is to be a church that has people of all ages with ministries and activities that cater for the needs and hopes of each age group. And within this vision, we believe that God's gifted us for ministry with families. We're planning, therefore, to deepen our relationship with Mount Gravatt State School into the next year and the years ahead through the existing ministry of the Homework Club, which happens once a week at the moment, as well as the new ministries, which are hopefully going to pick up in the next couple of weeks, the Breakfast Club, a regular breakfast club, and a reading support. I'm actually, in fact, I'm meeting tomorrow uh, morning with the head of curriculum, and, uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll nut out some details there and hopefully get a bit of a start date and just keep that moving along. But this relationship with Malkovat State School, I believe, is a very critical relationship to the ongoing life and ministry of this church. By connecting in strongly with the local school, we're praying that this will open up other opportunities with the staff and the families of the children of that school. We're hoping that through our presence and our influence, we're going to begin to change the culture of that school and therefore bring a change of culture into this beloved Mount Gravatt area. This is yet another way of sharing the gift of God amongst us, the gift of belonging and community with those who perhaps need to belong and have community. As we serve with generosity and graciousness, then we make for opportunities to share this gift, this gift of love. And we do so mostly in non-verbal ways, but we might also do so with ways that involve words. We're also really excited about our carols night, which has the potential for further growth. And so we're mindful that there may be ways to use the carols night as another way of connecting in with Mount Gravatt State School uh, for the local community. Uh, which is who we really want this to be for. So we're exploring that as well. What might that mean? And lastly, Leanne and I, a couple of weeks ago, we went down to the... Uh, uh, met with some of the, as I say, the heads of the five families, jokingly, Godfather reference. <coughs> um, but uh, the, uh, the, the coordinators of the playgroups, and, uh, and during that time there, just had a talk with them and just let them know, you know, hey, this is, this is what we're about our church, and this is what we want to do as well. And, and we're interested, in fact, we're really interested in you and we want to build a relationship with you. And uh, one of the suggestions that we made at the time was uh, floating an idea of doing a special Easter um, and or Christmas service that was specifically designed for families with small children. So it might involve some hands-on activities, some craft work, uh, you know, maybe some Play-Doh or something like that. But something that's fun, you know, something that's engaging and, uh, and something that's around these key times that are, in, that are still key, you know, whether you uh, you know, believe in Jesus or not, you know, Easter and Christmas. But it's a time to gather people together, and uh, so we're excited about that. At the time when we talked about it, there was quite a, little, there was quite a bit of openness uh, and warmth to that idea. So, so we're, we're, we're thinking about that and we're investigating that. These are, these are all ideas that we're investigating, that we're thinking about, that we're processing, uh, that we're wanting to explore further. And, uh, and I really want to stress that because really at the end of the day, whether we do this or not is largely up to you. It's up to you. We need volunteers for some of these things. 
We need finances for some of these things. We need other forms of resource for these things. You know, there are, you know, lots, lots of us are already busy, we know. Lots of us are already heavily involved. We're looking to other people to get involved as well. And so, uh, this is a time um, over these next three weeks to not only reevaluate things associated, as I say, to do with money and dollars, but also with our, our lives, us. And this is what I was saying about values. How do our values, what we believe, what we love, how do they shape our living? How do they shape anything that we do? How do we spend our time as well as spend our money or use our money? So as part of this, uh, can, you know, continue to think about that, that first question that we had to look at before. Continue to think about that and pray about that over these next couple of weeks. I'm really praying that God speaks to us and God is going to speak really clearly to us, um, individuals and as a church, about how we can address inconsistencies between what we say we believe and love and how we live and what we do so that we can really be consistent, much more consistent with the gospel and with what God wants us uh, to be and do. But right now what I'd like you to do is to take up those, those uh, white pieces of paper and on the bottom of them you'll see that uh, there's another question. There's a little dotted line about halfway through. Uh, that's to uh, give you the opportunity to actually tear off the bottom. Um, once you've filled it out, if, or you can tear it off and fill it out or fill it out and tear it you know, the order's up to you. Um, but, uh, but have a think about this question here. Thanks, Tim. Is there anything that you're excited about by anything that I've mentioned here? Is there anything that, that you're excited about that grabs you, that, that grabs your imagination and you think, yes? Is there anything that, from what I've said tonight, that, you're, that makes you think, wow, you know, I really hope, I really hope that as a result of this, we're going to see this. You know, we're going to achieve this or we're going to do this. You know, what is it that, uh, that really grabs you? Re- I really want to hear this information. I really want to hear what you have to think because this is our opportunity together to shape what we do in terms of ministry and service and, uh, and all these things. And I've only talked about two things tonight. There's a couple more over the next couple of weeks. But this is where I really want your feedback. I really want to hear what you have to say. So please take a moment, a couple of minutes, to jot down your thoughts. And, uh, and if you would, please... Tear, tear that off the bottom, and as we hand around the offering plates, oh, oh, the bags, excuse me, um, then uh, we're going to, uh, well, that's your opportunity to give that. Um, so, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's be prayerful, and let's listen, and um, take a moment to note and reflect.